Welcome everyone to Almost Cancelled. I am Peter. I am joined by Connor and this is our TV news, the very first of which, in fact, of 2021. Uh, we were going to be back a week or so ago, but there just wasn't enough news to talk about. So we held off for a week and we have kind of enough news to talk about this week, but it's been long enough that we should check in and say hello to everyone and talk about sure things. we can stretch it out a little bit and maybe i'll have some things you didn't see there's a couple of interesting things but it's, it's not it's not like full swing yet it's not like tons of stuff happening part of that may just be pandemic part of that may just be less things are going on because the production and the cycle is just a bit slower than it usually is because of everything but regardless it's 2021 uh, and we're here to talk about tv renewals cancellations pilot orders premiere dates trailers whatever might be happening in the world so uh here we are uh, Connor, we, we probably would have had one last TV news before Christmas, but Connor's computer broke, <laughs> so he couldn't record for a while. Uh, so right, just, right at the start of December, it was a bitch. Yeah, so it just extended the the, the usual yearly end of year gap that the news has sometimes. But uh, here we are. So we'll we'll get started then. Uh, first things first. Snowpiercer has been renewed for season three by TNT. This is before the season two debut uh, starts, which is uh, at the end of the month. Uh, 25th, that is. So, okay, cool. That's the end of the bus, like, less than a week away, but still. Um, yeah, so obviously we didn't like the pilot that much, uh, but clearly it's doing well enough on TNT that they've been happy enough to keep it going. Um, I know it's got a lot, a lot of international sales, a lot of in- international deals, which may be a big reason why it is getting so much attention and love, but... It tends to help, yeah. Uh, that is that. Uh, speaking of renewals that came out of nowhere, uh, Save by the Bell, the reunion or reboot or whatever it is, uh, got renewed for season two by Peacock. Well, they need to have some sort of content. That's maybe the first renewal story for Peacock that we've had. Because it's obviously it's new enough that... To, to, to be fair, how many shows have they aired so far? Not a lot, but this is, there you go. Congratulations, Peacock. You, you renewed a show, although it looked terrible, but that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, doesn't TV any indication of the longevity of, of the you know the the, the service though? Because I mean, DC Universe managed to renew like multiple shows, and you know, we know how that ended up. That is true. That's true. And the one thing they've got going for them is that apparently The Office is still the most streamed show on the planet, and they're going to be the exclusive home of that soon. So that might be their their, their card, their one card to play until something else becomes the most streamed show because people don't care enough to about it for peacock oh yeah just you wait 2021 is going to be quantum leaps year just you wait you you were really trying to think of something that, that he was like what's well, definitely not going to be on peacock <laughs> i was just trying to think of something funny to say no, no, no one's going to laugh to say friends because i actually might become the most streamed show in a, in a year I, I, that's not funny and, and and also might go to peacock no that's a hbo max show. They got a HBO max got okay. that's a warner brothers own show Oh, fair enough. We've literally spoken about them doing a Friends reunion episode on Good HBO point. Max. Do you know what? It's because that never happened with everything that went down that I just forgot all about it. Well, it's, it's still happening. I've not got to end the news, but there was... Every so often they'll be like, oh, Friends actor says this is happening soon, blah, 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 blah. So <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Happening. Anyway, uh, Amazon's animated series uh, based on the comic book by Robert Kirkman, uh, Invincible, has got a, a premiere date. It's coming March 26th, uh, which mm. is a Friday. So... Yeah, that's when that's happening. And uh, they're doing the same model as other recent Amazon shows with uh, three episodes mm-hmm. on the first day and then the rest weekly. 
I like this trend. Uh, I like this trend a lot. I prefer weekly TV. I think it makes for better viewing, but it also makes it much easier for us to cover in a timely fashion, which I very much appreciate. Yes, so, we're very selfish that way. But yes. also, ev- everyone else should enjoy it this way. So Yeah, we don't tend to uh, st- uh, stick the animated stuff, admittedly, so I'm not sure if this would even be... I mean, maybe we'll check out the pilot. Uh, but It's got a hell of a cast. I don't know if that's in the, your list there, but I, I, I remember it's got a lot of notable names. Uh, Stephen Yeun, uh, J.K. Simmons, uh, got a few names there. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I remember looking at it earlier and going, there's a handful of reasonably well-known names in this. Oh, here's the bigger list at the bottom here. Uh... Seth Rogen, Jillian Jacobs, Zazie Beats, Mark Hamill, Walton Goggins, Mae Whitman. That's okay, there's a bunch of names in there that I recognize. Yeah. Uh, but hey. Most of them are no stranger to, you know, uh, voice animation work. So it's not like they've just grabbed anyone that they could get their hands on, you know, to slap a name on it. Yeah. Uh, next up, it's not a show that we've really talked about ever, I don't think, in the news, but... It's a big enough deal to a lot of people that it felt worth mentioning this, which is the story of it ending and possibly going to on to be a movie. And that is uh, Peaky Blinders, mm. which is a, a British show starring Kelly and Murphy, which uh, I know a lot of people love. It's never appealed to me, despite the fact that Stephen Knight is behind it. And I love, love, love his movie, Locke. Like, I love that movie. So but, I, but I also completely hated the BBC series that did with Tom Hardy. I watched the first episode of that and was begging oh, for sleep. that was a taboo. Taboo, yes. Uh, yeah. That was the name of it. It's not a taboo subject, just for anyone yes. confused. Uh, but yeah, so this is a, its upcoming sixth season is going to be its last, although Stephen Knight's already saying that it's going to continue in another form. And the hints are basically that it's probably going to get a movie to, to finish up. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I've no interest in the show. I've... I have drunk more Peaky Blinders-related alcohol than I have watched seconds of the show. Yeah, some of it just doesn't appeal to me. I'm just not... You know, I, I just, it's, like, it's like a family of gangsters or something like that. I, I think so. And, yeah, I, and I don't... I, Both of us are not really big on a lot of you know, mob gangster stuff. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, mob gangster stuff with Birmingham accents, I think even sounds even worse, honestly. It does, it does, it does, it's, so, it's, it's not the most pleasant accents to listen to. So, I've never really found much appeal. I know people, there's a, it does have a following though, it felt like, since it's ending, it's a big enough deal to mention that it's uh, it's happening. So, uh, what's weird about this is that the last season of it that, that went out did so well, not only on BBC One, but internationally, with, you know, millions and millions of views and one of the most successful shows BBC's ever had. So it's kind of interesting that they're, they're, they're making this choice now. Maybe it's just better for the story because it's time to wrap up, or... Yeah, it could be a creative thing, and it, it could still be BBC uh, producing the, the movie itself because they do, mm. you know, do that. I mean, uh, recently, the uh, the Small Axe movies, uh, they were all you know, BBC produced. And maybe in a different world, they would have had a, a theatrical release or at least you know one or two of them. So this isn't too surprising. Yeah, so there you go. Peaky Blinders is coming to an end, kind of, but with maybe a movie or something else afterwards. So that takes on to, you know, obviously people might know us from a DC Comics podcast called Comics from the Multiverse. We talk about a lot of DC stuff. And obviously in the past, we have tried to review a lot of the DC shows, although a lot of them basically made us hate life. So we stopped doing that. (laughs) for a lot of the CW ones. But we have a new one coming soon, and that is Superman and Lois, which is coming on February 23rd, which is now a, a double-length pilot. 
uh, on that night. They've pushed delaying the, Flash. Yeah, they've pushed the Flash a week so they can have a double pilot. Which, I was very confused by the article that worded this, because they were like, it's delaying the season 7 premiere of The Flash. And it's like, The Flash was supposed to air that night with the final three episodes of season 6 starting. I'm like, wait, what? Are they? Did they just... Are, they, are, they, are those three episodes happening plus season 7, or is it just the first three episodes of season 7 are the end of season 6? I don't know. I I have no idea. Oh, I didn't know if you if you'd happen to know. No, never mind. I, I have no idea. I just know Flash was meant to be back that week. They pushed it a week. That's the extent of my knowledge on the Flash part of this. Yeah, which tells you this probably wasn't written in mind as a double pilot. Well, apparently it used to be an eighty-minute thing, and now it's two oh. hours. So I wonder if it's just like uh they, they beefed it up a little bit. Maybe they had enough. You know, they edited it and went, "Hey, this we we could just not cut out some of this stuff because it's maybe oh, it's, maybe then yeah maybe it's good. I don't know." Um, anyway, Superman and Lois, I got a trailer this week as well, a minute-long trailer uh, for this, which I do actually have thoughts on, because uh, obviously a lot of these CW shows get trailers, it's not really mean- that meaningful. Maybe when it's a new show, and I say a new show, I mean like a completely new show with a new outfit or something, you can talk about that or whatever. Uh, this, theoretically, despite the fact that it's technically a new show, is not that new in the sense that this Superman and Lois were on Supergirl, we saw a lot of their appearances, if not all of them. And what struck me about this teaser, this this minute-long trailer that you can go find on CW's YouTube channel, is that the way it's edited and the, 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 the color palette and even the music, they mm. are going for Man of Steel. They're going for the Zack Snyder version. I mean, maybe not the way he's characterized. I'm sure, and I hope... Anyway, when you actually watch the show, yeah, that it's still Superman. It's still you know Superman as yet, but it's so heavily trying to be Man of Steel, which might be a smart move for CW. I don't mean that as oh, I want knock off Man of Steel because obviously I don't really, but in the sense of they just had five seasons of Supergirl, doing mm-hmm. the complete opposite. Maybe and obviously Supergirl's coming to an end, and, and sure they could just replace it and have more of the same, but. I don't know if that benefits them. Maybe doing something completely different to what they've just had for the last five years benefits them more. Different, yeah. I mean, I, the editing and stuff, like uh, that could just be the trailer, no biggie. But actually having this kind of dour color palette is really odd to me as a choice. Like, mm. going for this kind of a little desaturated... I mean, it does look a little bit less CW, which I suppose is a good thing in a way, but uh, going for, you know, slightly darker colors on the suit and this kind of tone, you know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's very odd. It's very, and I can't say that I love that they've somehow written them back onto the farm. I'm like, can you just set a Superman show in Metropolis, please? Like, I know we can just fly wherever any, you know, very quickly. It's not a big deal. Yeah. I think I'm interested in the premise because from what I gather from this, the kids don't know that he's Superman. What do you mean, Gala? That's clearly in the trailer they don't. That's, right. That's, episode one is clearly them finding out their dad is Superman. Right. And uh, so that's, like, unusual for what this brings because they're not, like, young kids, is, is my point. They're, like, teenagers. Yes. Well, it's, so C- it's, it's a CW show. We have to have teenagers, even when it makes well, no sense. <laughs> obviously, which which makes me suspect that as much as this show is called Superman and Lois, it's probably going to be more about the kids, ultimately. Especially yeah. since it's a CW show. Yeah, how long till one of them has a like discovers a power? How, how long till one of them lifts up something and goes, "Oh shit, I've got my dad's powers." Right, and then you've got the other one not having it and being 
jealous and you got your, your classic CW yeah, sibling for, rivalry stuff. For a season or so. And then brother number two <laughs> gets a power. You know, like... Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of... It's... Yeah. I don't and know. that's not inherently bad. That could be fine. But it, it, I, I can just see this being a, a CW show. What, what's funny, I mean, I have more to talk about because of the way this has been presented. So I suppose that's something. And it's not like I would have... If they'd showed me a trailer, it just, just looked like, you know, same tone, same style as Supergirl, but it's you know Superman and Lois and Metropolis or indeed on the farm. I would have been like, okay, yeah, it looks more of what I expect. I wouldn't have been excited or... or less enthused or more enthused it had just been kind of neutral this is i'd I'd say hinders more towards negative because the things that it's kind of trying to compare to are just inherently something i don't like especially connected to superman yeah no i I think i agree with that i think it's i have a more negative impression or more more like a more negative expectation but i'm also more interested just in terms of because we always plan to watch the first episode to see what they did right and we still will and we still i think i'm more interested in watching this first episode now to see how it actually presents and what they're doing different not that i yeah. not that i you know, really think it's going to be good or that i'm going to love it but i'm i'm more interested just from an analytical side of it to go what are they doing with this yeah there's a, there's a curiosity to it I, I mean there's a good chance that we will not continue it in any way just because pretty much it's, all of the cw shows got dropped it's kind of likely to be a one and done but yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe it'll blow us away. Maybe, maybe we'll come out of it going, oh shit, I, I need to see more. Maybe we'll go, this is what Man of Steel should have been the whole time. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. The trailers for Man of Steel weren't the bad parts of Man of Steel. The trailers for Man of Steel were actually very good. They, they still rank among, you know, top 10 trailers, uh, potentially. It's amazing all the crap that they, they kind of conveniently leave out that <laughs> doesn't give away all the things that why Superman fans may end up hating the movie. Uh, for example, his arc in that film being... Uh, I have to save this bus full of children. And then Pat Kent's like, nah, maybe let them die, son. Sometimes you have to let people die. Sometimes you have to kill people. End of movie, he kills the villain. Superman's arc and Man of Steel, everyone. Uh- <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I, I, I got nothing to add to that. We, we, course, we've talked to death about Man of Steel. Of course you don't. I just, um, so, at, at least uh, uh, from the clips in the trailer, it sounds like, I'm sure one of them's going to be a moody little shit, but... At the very least, the small snippets we get, it seems like they're, like, wowed by the fact that their father's Superman. Um, even if it is a little bit silly <laughs> that they, like... Because one of them has a line of dialogue in the trailer where they say, but we've seen Superman, that can't be you. And I'm like, what? Seriously? <laughs> you live with this man <laughs> in a house? You you see him walk around? He, he's never, like, got out of the bathroom in the morning with his glasses off or something? <laughs> <laughs> and even even with the, with or with the without the glasses, I, I just I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't Bit of a stretch. Bit of a stretch. And and it's not like this because the Clark Kent in this particular universe that it's set up. Obviously, he had the the bumbling Clark Kent persona when he was in public, but when he was with you know just with Lois or with you know any of any of the other characters who knew yeah, who he it, was, he's not pretending around his kids at home. He's he's being a dad. He's being, he's being himself, right? Which is ultimately closer to Superman than it is to Clark Kent in this world. It's a uh, it, it's weird. I I felt a lot of weird feelings watching this trailer and like the tone they're going for. Yeah. I'm like, what's what's going on? What is this? Especially. Yeah, which- Especially since Supergirl, not only was it completely different, but Supergirl actively, and given that this is coming from some of the same producers, and so, I mean, hell, it lets you know 
from the creators of the Flash and like this foggy kind of mystique. I think it says from from Flash and Arrow, but doesn't mention the others, right? It doesn't mention Supergirl. No, it just says Flash because it's the Flash logo. It's like the Flash font. It just says Flash. Oh, okay. Uh, which is it really made me chuckle. I guess because it's the most successful one out of the bunch, and that's why they're using that one. But uh, but Supergirl intentionally went out of its way a couple of times to actually kind of make digs at Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. There was a couple of moments where it made fun of the fight scenes by saying, hey, here's the exact same fight scene, but Supergirl is going to save the civilians as she's doing it because that's what they're supposed to do. Do, do you think there's any possibility this is the, the creators of this show going, we can do better than that? Like we we can do that yeah, version, maybe. but better, and and maybe they can because it's a pretty low bar. I think <laughs> what's so weird about it though is that th- this trailer being modeled after the Man of Steel trailer feels like a almost a cheap trick now because I already saw Brightburn do it, and it was funnier when Brightburn did it because it was like a complete horror movie. <laughs> yeah, whereas this is still Superman. Yeah, so this feels like I feel like you. Uh, it, it almost feels like you're being meta with how you're presenting this but we've already had that made fun of to death at this point so it feels kind of weird and uh old hat right, which is why i'm wondering if it's not meta and it's more genuine but if it's, like genuine... it's, it's, if, it's a, if it's a statement of intent not a not a hey look at how we're going to subvert this hmm very curious i mean Maybe I'll just end up feeling like a CW show, but it definitely has a darker color palette than all the other CW shows by a significant margin. And I believe they redesigned the the suit as well to be yeah, more new, yeah, suit. Man of Steel-esque compared to what we had before. It's better overall because the cape's tucked in. It's not the stupid shoulder things that I hate. So, you know, uh, yeah. they're, they're, they're preaching to the choir on that one. But uh, also just a little uh, tidbit. I've actually got this tab there or anything, but I, just, I knew this was one of the things that happened over the, the Christmas break. Uh, is that Green Arrow and the Canaries is no longer going forward. And the the makers behind it knew that was the case for a long time, but it's, it's, it became public over the last few weeks. I don't think it's that surprising, given how long it had been since we heard anything. Yeah, well, I think any other year that would be true. I think this past year it's kind of weird because everything was kind of quiet and That's true, things yeah. were shifting, so it was hard to tell. Uh, sticking with the comic book series, though, we have an interesting bit of casting for the Moon Knight show, uh, the Disney Plus Marvel series. Uh, Ethan Hawke is going to be in the uh, in the show as a villain. All right, he, that's cool. He is going to be the villain up against Oscar Isaac. Pretty solid cast. Who's playing Midnight? So yeah, we got we got a good set of characters or actors for this. Uh, so Isaac's playing Midnight, of course, uh, a- aka Mark Spector, a mercenary who has numerous alter egos, uh, Cabby Jake Lockley, and millionaire playboy Stephen Grant. I actually didn't know this about Midnight. I didn't realize he had multiple. Yes. We're very unfamiliar with Moon Knight. Yeah, we're, clearly we don't know all about Moon Knight. But that's actually quite interesting to me, that he's got both like a Bruce Wayne-style persona, but also something completely different. <laughs> like, he's also this guy too. Uh, in order to fight better... Uh, in order to better fight the criminal underworld. But later, he was established as being a conduit for the Egyptian moon god, uh, uh, Khonshu. Noshu, uh, maybe? Noshu. Nah, because the end's like... No, it's not an end at the start. It's K-H-O-N-S-H-U. Konshu. Konshu? Yeah. Mm. I'd have to look at it, but that sounds baby. Uh, so the character recently uh, was a consultant who dressed all in white and goes by the Mr. Knight. I remember what that design looked like. Um, yes. But, hey. So yeah, uh, Hawk's going to play the, the main villain. Um, so. Now, I mean, that's two pretty good actors. So, I mean, yeah, it's a good start. 
yes. Uh, now, we don't actually know for sure which character he's playing. We know he's the main villain, but we don't know what villain they're using yet. So, uh, the speculation would be uh, Bushman, who's maybe the most frequent uh, villain in Moon Knight, according to this article. Again, I don't know anything about this, but uh, that doesn't mean for sure that that's what, who the character's going to be that he's playing. So Yeah, they could be going a bit more obscure. I mean, hell, just using Moon Knight already is on the obscure <laughs> end of properties out of what they have. It's intriguing, though. Uh, again, I'm excited for this Disney Plus Marvel stuff to be very distinct from the movies. It's, it's almost interesting that Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to be the one that's the most... Just like the movies. Right. And the looks I, I feel like inevitably Moon Knight will be compared most to Netflix's Daredevil. Probably. Although, apparently, rumors have got Daredevil and Spider-Man 3, so maybe they're going to bring him in properly. Oh, quite possibly. Have they got the same actor or someone else? Yeah, the rumors are Charlie Cox has been on set filming. Oh, okay, cool. Not that I really care, but cool. Uh, I mean, admittedly, is it more or less interesting in all the past Spider-Man actors coming back seemingly for Spider-Man 3 for multiverse shenanigans? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But, who knows? Yeah. Who knows what that movie's doing? Uh, quick tidbit, just to let you know that uh, the Paramount Plus transition from CBS All Access is happening on March 4th in US and Latin America. Uh, the Nordics are getting it in March 25th. Uh, Australia is going to be by the middle of the year, presumably with more locations to roll out as they expand. But uh, uh, seemingly one of the big reasons for this name change was because they wanted to go international with it. And CBS means nothing really to international audiences, unless you're a complete nerd like we are. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so... frankly, th th there's a reasonable chance that other countries use the same acronym something else entirely oh, that's very possible and it has yeah. very different meanings like uh in canada it could be canadian broadcast something yes i don't know yeah that was just a random but yeah paramount yeah that 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 that, that mountain is very yeah, recognizable that's, yeah so, that's got international recognition for sure there, there is kind of a, almost a joke now at this point that now now everyone's streaming service is just the plus at the end of their name so it's now it's disney plus paramount plus Apple yeah. Plus, well, TV Plus, I guess, but whatever. Yeah. Were Disney the first one to get in on the pluses? I think Apple may have been. I don't. Yeah, I don't know who announced their name first. I think it may have been Apple, but I, 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 I'd have to go back and check now at this point. It's got to be one of those two, though, right? Uh, well, yeah, it'll be one of those two. Well, no, I say that. Someone's going to pull out some obscure like thing, because I know Stan a lot of... Plus. There's a lot of uh, like small things where, the, the, you know, for example, ESPN may have had like a plus long before Disney uh, had yeah, plus okay. and things like that. So, uh, they, I mean, I mean, amusingly, they're owned by Disney, so I suppose they won in that case, I guess. But like, yeah, that, that's all getting rolled into Disney Plus, isn't it? Well, as an option, it's not. I think you have to pay extra. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which makes sense because it's a lot of you know. It is. I I didn't look into it enough because it's sports that I don't, I don't care about so i, I just I kind of ignored it. it was just a vague awareness of something going on with it all right okay let's talk about game of thrones shit i don't know uh oh, it's a game of thrones shit. yeah there's a, another potential prequel in the works of hbo oh, uh, what are we doing now they've, they've got about 19 potential prequels all in the works <laughs> that does feel that way i think, I think they're shooting one right yeah one's actually oh. happening one's developed which we're talking about in the news what why do you even pay I attention yeah, well, yeah, but it's been a while, and uh, uh, honestly, with with all the Game of Thrones stuff that's going on with this, I, I, it's hard to keep up. I can't imagine how frustrated it is for people listening to this. 
when you actively go, oh, I think they're doing something. Yeah, we spoke about it, like, when they announced it, when they greenlit it. Like, we've mentioned it multiple times. Well, maybe they didn't know that. Maybe maybe this is their first episode listening to the news. Oh, yeah, so throw every regular listener who's loyal and our dedicated audience under the bus for the potential new person. Just not throw them under the bus. It's like three seconds. Just go, yep, and then carry on. <sighs> Never. All right, so they put development uh, Tales of Dunk and Egg, which is a stupid title, may I add. <laughs> oh, this is a fun thing. Uh, Tales from Dunk and Egg is one of a handful of new Game of Thrones prequel projects that are floating around at HBO. Um, and this is actually a novella uh, that Martin yes. wrote. Yes. Uh, because he just will do anything to procrastinate from writing the next actual book. <laughs> Set in the world of Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire in which Game of Thrones is based, the series would follow the adventures of Dunk and Egg some 90 years before the events of A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, okay, so it's... I, I suppose, yeah, it's another prequel. Um, I assume the way Game of Thrones ends means that nothing can be a sequel. Because everything... It's all, it's all prequels. There's nothing set after it. No, no, they definitely could. I think they just don't want to. Okay. Because... I don't know why. I, I, guess, I guess doing it this way, there are at least vague things to adapt like you know this is a novella there is something there there's a blueprint that they can follow mm -hmm. whereas you know if you start doing sequel stuff you you face the wrath of the fandom of like hey you're doing completely new shit and we, we all saw how that went with the ending of game of thrones right so this this is probably just safer yes so and this is only one book with uh, three stories in it apparently so if this is successful, this will be the opposite of Game of Thrones, where they're going to stretch it out for years <laughs> based on one book. They'll do the book for season one, and then be like, okay, let's just start making up more stories for... So, so it's Handmaid's Tale. For Duncan Egg. Yeah. yeah I okay. mean, maybe it'll work. Who knows? Not for me. Uh, I'm shocked. Next up, HBO Max is put in development. The Future. A one-hour sci-fi tech drama based on Dan Frey's forthcoming novel, The Future Is Yours, from the Batman director, Matt Reeves. Uh, but uh, Or more specifically, his uh, production company. Oh, okay. Oh, so, well, you just, just lowered that down. I know, a bit I know, too. I know, I know. Uh, you know what they like, though? They always put like someone's name up in the article to make it sound like really flashy. But it's like, oh, they own a company that's producing it. It's not... It's nine times out of ten meaningless. Yes. Uh, written by Frey, based on his book, The Future is the story of two best friends who invent the most revolutionary technological device in modern human history. It's a sci-fi series set in the Silicon Valley of today, grappling with pressing questions about our relationships and technology, uh, told through the innovative multimedia style that's never been seen on TV. What does that mean? I have no idea what that means. Okay. Uh, I think the title is really bland, just The Future. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Silicon Valley makes me think of devs a little bit, but I'm sure it's going to feel different to that, just because that was very specific, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, a, I mean, ultimately, it's a sci-fi show on HBO Max. Could be good. Yeah, I mean, we're always down for there being more potential sci-fi shows for us to enjoy. Yeah, especially ones that ask big ideas and... Or ask big ideas. Ask big questions and present big ideas. That's kind of what I was trying to say there. But... Uh, yeah, so that's the future. Um, oh, actually, before I go any further, I should thank our Patreon producers. I usually do that before I get to the big dramas. Uh, so thank you. For, it's been a while since we recorded one of these. Uh, so thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Bordenow, Al Traisman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams, and David Brown. Thank you to you guys. 
you are Patreon producers. You can, of course, support us over at patreon.com slash TV for as little as $1 per month. The producers are a higher tier, of course, but uh, even at the $1 tier, you're giving us so much support and help keeping all the content coming. Um, and you get bonuses and so on. Um, so, something I was also meant to say at the start of the show, and I forgot again. <laughs> Damn. About the top 50. We recently had 50,000. We recently had 10,000 subscribers Someone's on YouTube. Someone's ambitious. Yes, we'll get there. But we recently had 10k subscribers on YouTube, and to celebrate, we're doing a audience-voted top 50 TV shows uh, of all time. Uh, there'll be a link in the description. You can also find the link on the on the Twitter at mail underscore fuzz, um, on the Facebook page, uh, even on the Patreon. There was a, a post went up, I think. I think I put that up there. I think I did. I'm questioning myself now, but I think I did. Uh, either way, I'll put the link to this in, in this video, in the description. So you can, of course, go and submit your own top 20 shows of all time. You can do a full top 50 if you want, but you have to do at least top 20 for it to count. And the shows will get points, and we'll do a results show where we reveal the top 50 shows of all time as voted for by you guys. So uh, if you want to take part in that and get you know some of the shows that I like up higher on the list, please go do so. Um, and uh, don't forget to put uh, Rebels nice and high. Uh, <laughs> you 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 can forget rebels all you want, um. But if there's any reason to disqualify you, if you have rebels, I'll find it. <laughs> uh, but yes, so uh, please do that. All right, so back to the uh, the news and news. Uh, Brie Larson is uh set to headline and executive produce lessons in chemistry. It's a drama coming from the unbelievable co-creator uh, Susanna Grant. That was and uh, Aggregate Films. Uh, she was co-creator of Unbelievable, which was the true crime story, which was on Netflix as a miniseries, which I did watch and was very good. Uh, so that's you know a bit of cred behind uh, you know, on top of the, the star uh, and Larson. But uh, this is an Apple TV Plus straight to series order. Uh, this one, mm. um, so. Larson's attached to it, uh, which, yes, the untitled female-focused CIA drama based on the uh, Amaryllis Fox's memoir uh, from Lynette Howell-Taylor's Lynette (laughs) 51 Entertainment. Uh, You know what, this is just listing a bunch of shit. (laughs) I'm just going to go down the description. (laughs) All right. Lessons of Chemistry is based on the upcoming debut novel from author, science editor, and copywriter Bonnie Garmus. Set in the early 1960s, it follows Elizabeth Zott, played by Larson, whose dream of being a scientist is put on hold in a society deeming that women belong in a domestic sphere, not not the professional one. When Elizabeth finds herself pregnant... Alone and fired from her lab, she matters. She musters the ingenuity only a single mother has. She accepts a job as a host on a TV cooking show and sets out to teach a nation of overlooked housewives and the men who suddenly listening a lot more than the recipes. Wait, what? And the men who are suddenly listening a lot more. Oh, to I get it. a lot more. Okay, no, it's just it was hyphenated. I just I, I sort of didn't realize oh, okay. where the hyphen section ended. Okay, the determination of overlooked housewives and the men who are suddenly listening a lot more than recipes. Uh, all Don't. while craving a return to her true love, science. That is, a... is, is the implication that the men are listening because it's Brie Larson? Is, is, is that what it's saying? Maybe? I, 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 I'm not entirely sure. What's interesting, this is not the only show about uh, a cooking show presenter and <laughs> and the, the news this week. There's more to come. <laughs> There's another one, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> Have we found our first theme of 2021? This is this is what a weird theme it is. 
Um, no, this is uh, this is interesting. Um, yeah, the, the biggest knock I have against it is is Apple. It's Apple, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but everything else sounds alright. Uh, I mean, obviously, as a subject matter, it's not the most exciting daz- razzle dazzle, but it does sound kind of unique in that she wants to be a scientist but ends up doing a cooking show instead. That is a very uh, twist of fate. Yeah. And I do like Brie Larson. As, you know, I think she's very good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yes, that is lessons in chemistry. And, you know, maybe why she's so good at it is because she just treats it like chemistry. So, like, it's just, you know, it's all cooking is, really, when you think about it. It's just, just, oh, it get, is, yeah. just getting the right reactions and the, the right mixtures and so on and so on. Uh, she's basically Heisenberg, but with cooking food. <laughs> I was going to say, you need to be more specific yeah, at the end he, of that. He was also cooking, yes, just not food. <laughs> Why it was cook- cooking was in some way consumed, but uh, <laughs> not, not eaten. Uh, I don't think you can not eat that. Not that we you, know of. Could you, could you theoretically take that by eating it? We're talking about crystal meth I mean, here, just to kiss well, I mean, you, you could 100% eat it. Yes, but would it, you get the effect of it. I, I very much doubt that. Okay. Just curious. Well, the call dropped there for a second, so we'll just move on to the next thing. Uh, we're pretty much done. Uh, next up, Netflix is adapting a young adult graphic novel uh, called Heartstopper. It's an eight-part series with Doctor Who and Charlotte Kilmer, uh, Euros Lynn attached to direct it. So, here's the description of the story from the graphic novel. Heartstopper tells the story of Nick and Charlie, two British teens at an all-boys grammar school. Charlie, a high-strung, openly gay overthinker, and Nick, a cheerful, soft-hearted rugby player, one day are made to sit together. They quickly become friends, and soon Charlie's falling hard for Nick, even though he doesn't think he has a chance. But love works in surprising ways, and Nick is more interested in Charlie than either of them realised. Heartstopper is about love, friendship, loyalty, and mental illness. It encompasses all the small stories of Nick and Charlie's lives that together make up something larger. And the only reason why Connor's not drinking after that description is because they happen to be high school students and therefore there's no professional lives uh, involved. <laughs> also, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit on the ill side and, and probably shouldn't be drinking. Very well. Are you interested in Heartstopper? Not really. No, um, no, no, no. no not, not against it. Just it's not for us, is it? Young adult. Typically, if I see young adult, I... I 99.9% uh, chance that I will not like it. <laughs> right, and if I do, it's not going to be one that's uh, explicitly a young adult romance story. It's going to be, mm. you know, some sort of sci-fi or, you know, fantasy thing that, you know, we, we, at least something that we tend to be interested in, or like me with fantasy, obviously. But, you know, something that we're already into that maybe we can get past the young adult stuff because of it. But, yeah. Next up, HBO's developing an adaptation of Elizabeth Whitmore's novel Valentine, set in 1976 in West Texas oilfield town with Selma Hayek and my brilliant friend executive producer Jennifer Schur. Uh, now, keep in mind, I don't think that's saying Hayek's going to be in it. Just producing. <laughs> yep. Just to make that clear. Uh, so HBO won the, uh, the race of the book in a competitive bidding war. Uh, so there you go. The book begins on Valentine's Day in 1976 in the West Texas oilfield town of Odessa, it is told through a network of women whose lives have all changed when a 14-year-old Mexican girl is beaten and raped by an all, uh, by an, I was going to say all white, by an white oil worker. Uh, it is Wetmore's first book. Okay. Um, 
I'm, I'm not sure what the yeah you know, the, the presentation of that is episode to episode but uh i mean could be okay i guess yeah i it's hard to yeah get, get a sense of tone or, or i mean i assume it's not going to be cheery given the subject matter but it's hard to get a sense of what it's going to feel like or what it's what... there was the point where i mentioned you know interconnected stories like a mm-hmm. different point of view i was like okay is it like maybe a different person we follow each episode and see you know their side of things I, w- I wouldn't assume per episode. I would assume there's maybe three or four different characters in the town that we all follow. And we, you know, they're, they're just interconnecting stories and, uh, you know, and they all react to this event and the fallout from it and the questions it makes them ask. I, I imagine there might even be an investigation as to who... I mean, I'm asked, as, as if he's not just instantly caught, because maybe... It, the, the way it's phrased, it sounds like they may just know who it is immediately and... Maybe it's a, a lack yeah. of repercussions is, is kind of the, the point. Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know. For, for whatever reason, when you're reading the description, and I may be just projecting this on for no reason, my, my head assumed there was like 10, you know, you know, uh, women that we were following, uh, and which is why I said by episode by episode. But you're probably right. It, it's more likely. And I've probably just pulled that out of absolutely nothing except just my brain deciding that when you said something or other. Now, next up, HBO Max once again. They've picked up a series, uh, a drama pilot specifically, called Julia. Uh, and they're given any episode order. It is based on... This is the chef one, by the way. It's based on the life world-renowned chef, Julia Child. And it's going to start Sarah Lanc- uh, Lancashire and David Hyde Pierce, uh, who you may know as uh, Niles from Frasier. Uh, that's where most people will probably know him. Okay. So, Niles Crane's uh, <laughs> going to be back on TV. So... Yeah, so it's going to be directed by Charles McDougall. It is inspired by Julia Child's extraordinary life and her long-running television series, The French Chef, which pioneered the popular cooking show genre. So this is like the the dawn of the cooking show. I mean, how long ago was this? Because it feels like there's just always been cooking shows. But before our childhoods, at least, because they they were definitely on TV when we were growing up. Uh, Yeah. Through Julia and her single can-do, sorry, singular can-do spirit, the series explores an evolving time in American history, the emergence of public television as a new social institution, feminism and the women's movement, the nature of celebrity, and America's cultural growth. At its heart, the series is a portrait of a loving marriage with an evolving and complicated power dynamic. Um, I'll say there's a lot of things, because I, I was a little bit worried about this news, because I was like, before I got to a couple of things that were a bit more up our wheelhouse, I was like, man, there's a lot of dry... Uh, shows being ordered they may be great once we actually get a sense of style but just and tone on, on description they sound like yeah. fairly typical dramas yeah so not a lot to go on as of yet i, I, I do like tide pierce's nails i mean i don't know and I, he was in a movie called the perfect host he was all right in that even that in that though it was kind of like a like an r-rated like sadistic version of nails there was still a nails equality to him mm. <laughs> i don't know so I, I, don't... I mean even if you like you know, him as an actor. How much is that really a draw? Well, that's true. Well, it's yeah. all I've got to go on for this. No, no, it is. Um, but, you know, it's something where, okay, maybe if the lead actor is someone you realize, but, you know, this doesn't certainly not the lead. He's like, okay, well, he's, he's going to be there. But, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe this show will be fantastic. Maybe that'll be, you know, the, the best show of that year for all we know. Mm-hmm. But it just uh, sounds like another drama. Well, that'll take us on to the final news story of this first news episode of 2021. ABC is moving forward with a show. It has ordered a pilot to Acts of Crime, which is Sam Esmail's show, 
which is why this is a bit more interesting perhaps than a normal <clears throat> network show pickup. I, I missed the title. Sorry, what was it called? Acts of Crime. Okay, cool. This is the thing. If you take Sam Esmail's name away from this, this does not sound remotely interesting. This is purely interesting <laughs> because of Sam Esmail. I, I almost wish you hadn't told us that detail till after you told us the description. You could hear me go, uh, ABC show, whatever. Yeah, so... Yeah, this is Esmail's first foray into network TV. Obviously, he's worked on cable quite a bit. Um, and streaming services. So, yeah. Da, 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 da. Where's the uh, description? How restricted is he going to feel? <laughs> Uh, actually, there's a proper description uh, for this. Wait, really? Yeah. It's a That's unique. Weird. It's, no, yeah, there's no description. Uh, they're not offering much detail. They're just saying it's a unique spin on the crime procedural. That's all they're saying. I mean, I believe it coming from him. <laughs> yeah, I believe it's unique. Yeah, if, if if you'd taken his name out of that again and told me ABC have done this show and they're saying it's a unique take on the crime procedural, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Of course it is. But. Coming from Esmail, it might well be. No, that's all. That's all it is. Uh, so there you go. Acts of crime. That wraps up the news this week. Unless you have anything that you wanted to throw in, as he's muted and dying in the, in the corner. Uh, no, no, I'm good. I, I, I mean, not anything contemporary. Just stuff from like when my computer was broken. I saw that you, <laughs> that's, you know, that's going back about this. Uh, right. The the only one I will mention is because it stuck with me is uh, they announced the uh, Poppy War. Uh, books were getting a TV show adaptation. Uh, I don't think there was a network or anything attached yet. Just you know, there were it was in the works, and uh, that was a a wonderful trilogy that just finished a couple of months ago. And uh, I read it. Uh, it's basically a kind of an alternate history China, but filled with uh, shamans. Uh, you know, they summon you know, literally summon gods uh, and use them uh, in you know in war against a. Technolo technologically superior foe, which is very much likened to Japan, essentially. Uh, but it's, it's re really interesting stories, uh, really really interesting character uh, study pieces as well, beyond just the, the fantasy elements. So could make a pretty fantastic TV show. All right, cool. Uh, of course, you can get us on Patreon, as I mentioned earlier, patreon.com slash TV. Uh, I should mention, obviously, we currently are working through uh, the new season of The Expanse. We're actually caught up to the weekly episodes. There's only a couple left, admittedly, but uh, we are caught up with that and doing them. Uh, we did do the first episode of The Queen's Gambit this week, which was a Patreon-voted-for uh, pilot review. Um, and it's looking lately we're going to do the next one uh, and, and continue with that. So uh, you should look for more of that soon. Also, One Division's on right now. Uh, so there's a few things uh, being looked at. Uh, review-wise on the channel, so uh, do check that out. And I, I will remind you once again of the top 50 TV shows of all time, which is voted for by you guys. So if you want to submit the deadline, which I don't think I mentioned earlier, is the 1st of February. So you got until basically the start of the new month to get your lists in, and uh, we'll have results sometime in February uh, to celebrate hitting 10k subscribers. So uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, of course, you know, like and subscribe, all the usual stuff helps out a lot if you do. It is the nice and simple free way to support us. And, of course, uh, you can get us on Twitter at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates. Uh, but otherwise, that is us. So thank you once again for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching TV. Have you got any vanilla? <laughs>